Hi, and welcome to today's SME Business Podcast. Your host, Mark, will be joining you to interview a founder of an SME business each week, highlighting lessons learned and revealing insights. Listen and learn each week on how to get and stay ahead. Hi, people. Today, we welcome Stephen Benson to the show. Stephen is the CEO of Betcher Maps. Betcher Maps helps field reps sell 20 to 25% more. He also hosts Outside Sales Talk, the number one podcast for outside sales reps. Check the link in the show notes. In addition, he is the president of the Sales Hall of Fame and a LinkedIn learning instructor to boot. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me today. Yeah, Mark, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I I was like, I found you on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, this this sounds really interesting. I was like, um, you know, as 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 a business, uh, it, helping people increase the sales, especially in these times, is really important. So I was like, you know, I, I have to highlight you, um, and and then help, you know, uh, not just um, highlight you, but also help people listening to this podcast uh, to. Yeah, yeah. Discover more, and then then help them move forward as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just want to start to talk, uh, have some questions a bit more about yourself. So, tell me, uh, is, is, so more about yourself. Who is the person behind the entrepreneur running Batcher Maps? Well, um, so I grew up in Chicago, and uh, you know, I, I always wanted to start a business. I I uh, I, I started. Uh, a couple businesses uh, when I was in when I was in grammar school. One of them was selling fireworks, which is is a whole a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, but um, I, I guess I, after college, I, I moved out to California to join the tech boom. Uh, ended up going to business school at Stanford, uh, and then I took a sales path. So I worked in sales at IBM and a software company called Autonomy. And then I went to they got bought by HP. I went to Google and uh, and worked there for four years and in, in sales and um, I, I was running uh, sales of their mapping API into the Western U.S. and that's kind of where Badger came from. Was I understood the problems that field salespeople had and then I was working with uh, the, the Google Maps API and and I was able to kind of see well this API is now getting to a point where you could build cool software on it. On the mobile device, the mobile devices are getting, this is back in 2011, right? The mobile devices were getting fast enough to run cool software, cool applications like like this. And the internet was getting fast enough uh, over the mobile networks uh, to support that. So I guess it was kind of the conjunction of those things caused me to be able to build this tool, Badger Maps, for field salespeople to help them build their routes, plan their days in the field, um, focus on the best customers, but basically join their calendar and their map and their customer information all into one application. Yeah, you know, that completely makes sense. That sounds like a, like a great journey. And it's funny you mentioned autonomy because at one point I, I myself, I worked for ArcSight, which got bought by, got bought by HP as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, Autonomy was uh, the the big, I think the biggest uh, European software company other than SAP. Yeah, the, the biggest, yeah, I think yeah, it was the biggest yeah. British software company at one point. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, it was all over the paper. So like, you know, like, look, you know, we got our own Silicon Roundabout Valley that, you know, and it's like, 
Well, yeah, it's a bit small, but yeah, of course, uh, yeah, people were proud. You know, like okay, yeah. we have a big. Yeah. yeah. Well, they sold sold it for ten billion dollars to HP, so yeah. that was a big deal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like you know how you know in, in how small the world in the end is. Mm-hmm. So, how did you decide which career path to take? As in, like uh, when you were going high school, like what were like your thoughts? Like, what do you wanted to do, or? Or you still like, you know, go like, um, you know, like some of the people go like, oh, yeah, I want to be a firefighter or a pilot or were you pretty sure what you wanted to do? No, I mean, when I was younger, I really didn't know. I, I knew I liked to help people. I thought I might want to be a teacher when I was in high school. I, I actually did end up, I was a junior kindergarten teacher for a little while. Um, and that was kind of like a experimental job, I guess. But I really enjoyed that. And I enjoy that type of work in, in the end, I was kind of, I think I was attracted to business and entrepreneurship just because it it allows me to have such a broader impact on things. You know, like I've, you know, there are 5,000 companies that use Badger and, you know, it, it materially helps them be more effective with their, with their field sales teams and sell more. And that allows them to hire more people and create more jobs. And I, I just, I feel like you can have an outsized impact if you, if you create, valuable pieces of software or I mean or any valuable service or solution that people are willing to pay for usually they're paying for it because they're getting more out of it than they're paying and so you know if you're able to whatever the area is in I mean I think that you know business is just the, the scalability aspect of some businesses is just so cool to me the way you can have such a big impact on the world yeah no, no like uh, completely yeah um, like you know you have an outsized impact because you can you know you it's not like you know services where it's hard to let's say scale up um and then replicate the same result with, with a product or like a SaaS uh, offering um it, it's it's easier to help more people and like you said uh, if they are able to increase um their sales that means that they are able to employ more people they are able to then help more people um get the products out, which means that the people that buy the products can then also improve their organization. So it's all cascading down. So yeah, definitely that's where I said. And I think that's um, the magic, if you will, of, of, of the whole tech economy where maybe not everyone is aware how much, um, let's say, prosperity generation or acceleration it's helping to create um so yeah that, that that's that's great to see that you know you realize that um i, I, I saw as well like uh, about your personal background i saw something about wrestling in high school um yeah the, the, you might have found that if you googled me um yeah the uh so i, I was a state qualifying wrestler in high school Back then, I weighed 171 pounds, which is less than I weigh now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that that was always my sport. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of sports, you know. But that was the one that I kind of was, I guess, more of a natural with, uh, and and I learned a tremendous amount from it. Um, you know, grit, which I think is so important for salespeople, so important for entrepreneurs. Yes. You know, I, I think a lot of the a lot of that can be. I consider myself to be pretty gritty and I think a lot of that is could be attributed to the things that I that I learned um in high school wrestling, you know, enduring pain and overcoming challenges and you know, getting my butt kicked around, learning learning to lose, learning to learning to win, learning, you know, getting learning to you know, have a drive 
that that uh, all that I think came w- w- really started getting developed there. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And like you know, like you said in sales, like uh, it's, it's you know you you have to get past the no to get to the yes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, go for the no because then you know you disqualify a potential customer, but it means that you then free yourself up to get a yes from a customer that that you can help. Um, so yeah, it, that that's uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so it, uh, we already got into it a little bit before about batch maps, where you know you you have extensive background and you know, worked on uh, Google Maps uh, APIs. Um, and uh, it's funny, like I was when you mentioned it, I was like thinking as well, like about the, the let's say the delivery companies and how they um, um, yeah optimize um, you know delivery where they go like um, doing uh, was it left turns or right turns only? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, UPS. Yeah, UPS, and it's like I immediately like saw like uh, I saw that uh, truck in front of me, like, uh, and it makes sense uh, with 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 Petra Maps because I, uh, from what looks like, you're also getting in metrics on uh, stages of customer and and potential and uh, the the potential um, from from my research I've done. Is that right? Yeah, a- absolutely. So you know, whatever a company whatever information or data a company has about their customers, we pull that into our environment where they can really make it actionable from a planning your day in the field perspective. So, you know, we connect with the CRM and then for companies that have a CRM, for companies that don't have one, we can just upload their data. But we generally connect with the CRM and pull in. The CRM often contains a whole bunch of rich data that just isn't actionable for a field salesperson from the perspective of, okay, I have all this information. So what should I do for the next you know, two weeks in terms of where should I go? Who should I talk to? So we make that data really useful to them in this map-based and uh, planning calendaring environment that they can easily kind of figure out what am I going to do for the next two weeks? Who am I, who are the most important customers for me to see? And then Badger will give, will help them set those meetings to get the optimal in, in, in a way that makes sense for their, uh, for their time in the field. And, and then we help them with things like lead gen and juggling their schedules once they're out in the field and people are canceling and changing things on them. But we, uh, we kind of, help with all those different elements of, of field sales um, and, and, and basically save people a bunch of time and busy work. Yeah, no, like I said, you know, like looked at it as like really impressive because you simplify. So basically the field rep can focus on what they're good at as in show up at a prospect and, you know, um, you know, d- 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 explain the value, um, you know, so, so they can, be more effective all if you like you said if you put them in front of a crm they'll be like yeah that's great but like how can i figure it out you know like i don't want to like manually put stuff in my set nav and start driving around and finding out that actually i just drove past a prospect um exactly further down my crm that i didn't know about and now i potentially lost uh, on a 10k deal because uh, my competitor is in the area and actually you know, scoop the deal for me. So yeah, it makes absolute sense. It, absolutely, yeah. It's just you know, sales is a tough job, right? You're you're always stripped, strapped for time, and if you had more of it, you could sell more, do better, be more successful. And and we're just 
you know that we we our our surveys got, are getting back and people are 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 estimating that they save like eight hours a week between reduced time on the planning of their time spent in the field and then actually doing the driving and the going to the customers and the focusing on the best customers yes. they're uh yeah, no. you know and, and eight hours a week is a ton right it's like 20 yeah. percent of your time exactly yeah and that means that you know like if you talk about somebody later stage it might be like hey i have a family uh, that eight hours mean, mean mean that you know i can see my um you know kids train for a little mm-hmm. game or something yeah? that's how you have to think so it's not just a impact for the company but it's also a work-life balance impact improvements absolutely yeah i mean you know we we help you save time what what you do with it is up to you yes, <laughs> yeah so i had some other questions around um so what do you think are the new challenges a sales leader needs to overcome in a battle company that they might have been thinking about before yeah i mean you know th- this is uh something I speak about a lot, you know, is what's going on in this recession, how is it affecting companies and, and how can, uh, how can we overcome the, you know, the recession in in our different industries and in our different companies? I think uh, one of the first, but to to your question, you know, the new challenges that uh, leaders need to overcome in a bad economy are first desperate competitors doing desperate things. So a lot of companies are really, really hurting right now, and they're frankly willing to do things that they would not have done before, like discount their products really deeply, liquidate inventory just to make ends meet, um, give away, give things away like free consulting or you know payment terms or whatever. That whatever value, whatever they'll give away valuable terms to in order to win deals that they that you would have been winning before, or to steal your existing customers away from you, and so that's the first major challenge that that companies may be running into from a sales perspective that they weren't running into before. The uh, the second is is challenges coming up from your prospects and your customers. So I, I think that. A lot of salespeople are running into resistance that they 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 weren't getting before, and uh, that can be, from you know, as simple as a customer not wanting to engage with you, or not wanting to meet in person, or not wanting not wanting to to just just saying brushing you off and saying oh, there's no budget for this right now. But um, you know, if someone didn't want to do something or evaluate a new product or service before, now they have a great excuse. And there's just there's so much resistance to spending money, you know. There are spending freezes that can come from the very top of organizations, and and procurement departments have been empowered. You know, their their procurement departments are getting a lot more aggressive, and they're leveraging the down economy to get discounts from vendors and to to get better terms from vendors and generally um, jam down vendors margins to to uh keep their own boats floating so i think those are really the the two major challenges as competitors and then challenges with prospects and customers yeah excellent points yeah uh, like i said uh, the, the discounting uh, it's a real thing um you also see that like a you know uh, like i said procurement departments that go like well I know you need the business, so you know what, um, um, uh, if you do 50% discount, then we might do business uh, well before 
you know, they might be, get away with being like, hey, you know, like we want a 20% discount. Um, they, they become more brazen and, yeah, like mm -hmm. you said, using uh, the current economy as a way to say, hey, can we actually improve our margins, if you will, at the cost of, of uh, yeah, our suppliers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's you know, that it's, it's valid that they might want to do that, but yeah, the, the sometimes... Yeah, that's their job, it, right? This goes over the, over the top where they go like, well, actually, long term, that actually might damage vendor relationships because uh, those vendors that, that were forced to discount that heavily also will remember you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then if, if, if there's a shortage because you provide a unique product, product or service, um, yeah, then come renewal time in when the economy is restored again, um, that might, yeah, yeah come back to you um mm -hmm. so yeah we'll have to see uh, how that goes Absolutely. yeah so other than negotiation training how can a sales manager react in a bad economy to the margins compressing uh great question so yeah i mean first yeah i think negotiation training is something that every organization should be looking at right now um, for their sales teams just to help them deal with the, this pressure coming from customers on around price but also um, a sales manager or the person who's designing the sales plans for their team can react to this compression of margins by redesigning the sales plan. So if you're, if you have a product with tightening margins or, you know, in general, just need margins to be better defended in these tough times and your reps are currently comped on revenue, you can consider switching that compensation to comping them on profit margin. And the reason you would do this is that if you're, I mean, imagine your, your margins are 30% and your reps are giving, uh, your rep gives a 15% discount on a deal. You, you actually need two deals like that to be worth as much as one deal was at full price from a profitability perspective. But, if your if your reps comp plan is aligned with revenue, you know that fifteen percent discount only costs them fifteen percent of their commission. But if their comp plan is aligned with profit, that fifteen percent discount just costs them half of their commission. So, if you give them a plan that aligns them with uh, the profit line instead of their revenue line, they will defend that margin much better. Yes, yes, yeah, because they will go like, yeah, no, like it's not about the revenue, but if I don't maintain the margin then um, i got stung as well and you know uh you know i'm i'm i might not have as money for let's say the next holiday that kind of thing um yeah so yeah that completely makes sense uh, yeah and and in general you always want to design comp plans to be aligned with the business and its needs uh, and as it changes you may want to look at changing the comp plan and i'm and i'm not saying you know change your on-target earning or the total amount that you're going to be paying your reps. I'm just saying shift the plan to reward the reps that are generating the most profit. Yes, yeah, completely makes sense because yeah, it's easy to you know um, sign the deal if you will, um, but then if the margin is like two or three percent, it's like oh, basically you've been giving it away and yeah, that's not long-term sustainable and especially not in this economy where. If you're doing fewer deals, uh, yeah, you want to make, maintain that margin. So yeah, completely makes sense. Um, so you know, I had another one where it's like, uh, what do you think sales leaders need to change in the behavior 
in a time of crisis to keep revenue flowing? Um, yeah, that's a great question too. Um, so sales leaders, I guess it, it, an economic crisis is probably the hardest time to be a sales leader. The whole company is dependent on the revenue that your team produces to survive. And so sales leadership is never more important than in a time of crisis. Um, so I guess to your question, what do they have to change? I think now more than ever, leaders need to confront reality and be really action oriented. They need to be honest in their assessments of the challenges facing their organizations. Um, they need to embrace bad news. They need to ask hard questions and they need to keep a positive outlook. Uh, they need to have a, a very well thought out action plan and they have to be transparent with their team about what that actual plan is. Um, managers need to be more responsive. They have to be more supportive of their sales teams. You know, the, the sales reps, the, the team is probably scared. They're worried about losing their jobs. They're worried about how hard it's going to be to get another job. They're worried about their commission check evaporating. The, the, the sales team was not paying their mortgage with their base, right? And, and as no. sales are down, you know, they, they're struggling with, you know, with, as their commissions are compressed, you know, it, times are tightening up, right? Um, you can look to reassess the KPIs you're using to measure the sales team because um, sales cycles are, are longer now and the team is focused on what they, you want to keep the team focused on the things that they can really move the needle on and, and be responsive to this, the current situation. And if, and historically, maybe you're looking at just revenue numbers and that, cause that's the way, or profit numbers. Those are the two ways that sales teams are usually measured, but just because those are down doesn't mean the sales team's doing terribly. They could be out there busting their butts. So you want to start measuring other things too, to kind of show progress, show the pipeline, get better insight into what's going on. You know, how many, how many qualified meetings are they having? How many pro proposals did they, did they have? And I'm not saying change the comp plan to comp them on proposals because then you'll just get a lot more proposals without necessarily a lot more sales. But, yes. but you, yes. it's worth measuring to, to, to make sure to get insights into who's putting in the effort and the time and, and who's uh, it's a good indicator of who's going to be successful in the future. Yeah, yeah, because in the end, it's, it's one of those things uh, when they build relationships with, with the, those prospects. Um, and then when, you know, the, the economy recovers, that kind of thing, um, th those prospects will remember that, you know, you didn't try to push them for a deal they couldn't afford, if you will. Um, but when they, they are able to do so, then they will remember you as an organization and be like, hey, you built a relationship with me in the, that time. And, um, you know, I, I want to acknowledge you for that that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's in then, like you said, measuring effort if you will uh while uh, yeah it might be harder uh, you know to get the deals in uh, but yeah if, if you can measure how much effort they're putting in then then that's metrics to to yeah let's say prove how hard your sales workforce is working so yeah that, that makes sense absolutely and sales leaders need to guide the team right now they need, the team needs to be coached uh, I believe a sales leader should be asking themselves, am I spending 50% of my time coaching my reps? And if the answer is no, they should be spending more time. 
it's so easy to go silent right now. It's so easy to, you know, slip in into the remote world, you know, and uh, instead I think it's important to ask your, be getting in front of your reps and, and ask your reps questions and find out what they need to be successful. Uh, you need to figure out by putting your ear to the ground um, which reps are being successful and how are they doing, how are they experiencing that success with what type of customer profile, um, what is the playbook they ran to get to, to, to have that, to win that deal. And then once you find reps that are cracking the code of how to win in this time, you want to train the rest of your team, perhaps with that rep's help and enabling them to help help you coach the team, um, help re replicate that success across the team. So if one guy figures out a play that works, the rest of the team learns about it. Yes. Uh, great sales leaders, they understand what's going on on the ground level, particularly during times of change, because that understanding is what allows them to steer the ship. Yeah, and it gets, gets to the other point I wanted to address is like around communication in this crisis. Um, you know, like what, what, what are your thoughts on how a sales leader can yeah, be more effective? Like you said, you already mentioned, you know, coaching more, uh, but also uh, like a language use and such. Like what do you suggest a sales leader should do? Um, is this in terms of like what behavior the, the sales leader should have? Um, no, yeah, it's, it's more around, you know, like communication, like, you know, how should they communicate, not just only with the staff, but also with the rest of the organization, like, you know, how should they reshape their messaging? Yeah, communication is so important in these times of crisis. Um, you know, people's imagination, they can get the best of them, right? Particularly within large groups. Gossip of impending doom is so powerful. It travels so quickly. And it, and it can really lead to rash decisions and morale problems. Uh, sales leaders need to communicate right now with their team in a transparent, realistic, and optimistic way. They need to give their team an action plan that will put their fears to rest and let them stay focused on selling. You know, people want safety and security. And as a business leader, you're really responsible for the base layer of people's pyramid of needs, like the money they pay for food and their home, their health care, their long-term financial security, and not to mention their, their enjoyment of life and their, their wants in, in life, not, not just their needs, right? So as a, as a leader, you, you, your responsibility is to communicate with them clearly and truthfully about where are things at so that they can plan accordingly. And from a product, productivity perspective, if, if you don't communicate clearly and truthfully, they're going to spend all their time worrying about, you know, the worst things that can happen, right? Like you know, the company's going to go under the, I'm going to lose my job. Uh, specifically as a sales leader, you want to, you want to tell them the, the immediate term plan, the midterm plan, and the long-term plan and under different scenarios for the different external factors, right? So if it's a small recession, short-term, we're going to do this, mid-term, we're going to do this, long-term, we're going to do this. If it's prolonged, we'll do this, this, this. Um, you need to make them feel comfortable that, they're, that there's a steady hand on the wheel and that they can know what to expect. Um, I think that uh, having daily huddles with the team 
is really helpful. Um, I think uh, at the same having that that having constant regular conversations at the same time every day is really is really helpful, um, and it brings the team together when they're working separately. A lot of people are working from home, obviously. Um, and it's important to, to focus those meetings on the KPIs that, that show activity and show, show success and, and help everyone see how everyone else is doing against their KPIs to, to keep morale high and keep things moving forward, to share success stories, to, to give each other support, guidance, help. Yes, yeah, and like you know, like like you said before, it's like around the like, okay, hey, um, this sales rep found a new tactic that's that's working. Let's share that so uh, we can help each other. And then you know, like you said, having daily meetings uh, to yeah, not only you know uh, keep things tight, if you will, uh, but also still keep let's say the team spirit going. Uh, I think that's that's really important. Um, and then you know like show the leadership show the show the plan um so so people let's say have trust in leadership that you know they have a defined path of how they want to exit this this current uh, climate if you will absolutely um so yeah i was wondering as well uh, with of course you know as it is with lots of remote work um how do you how how's your experience of of how customer relationships have changed in these times yeah i mean um customer relationships have absolutely changed i think you know your customers are going through things that you're going through your suppliers are going through and, and I, I think the first and everyone's talking about this right now but the first thing to, to have top of mind is empathy and be empathetic for their situation I guess the good news here is that everyone in the world has this big thing in common, right? Um, with with uh, the the virus and with the, where the economy's at, I mean, we're all kind of in the same same ship together here, right? Uh, but I think it is a, a harder time for relationship building, and I think it's 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 a challenging time for customer relationships. A lot of things become under strain. Uh, people feel maybe less trust now less there's less customer loyalty as you know as people are under pressure you may notice sales cycles becoming longer as decisions and in particular the decision to open up the purse strings becomes more difficult so we have to really work against that right and how, how do we do that i think the first thing you can focus on doing is leveraging your sponsor better the leverage the person who is you know who wants to work with you in in your in your target organization and 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 is kind of sponsoring the opportunity. You need them to be your eyes and your ears uh, in a way that you and you've always needed this to be successful, right? Like leveraging your sponsor is like classic sales um, 101, right? But especially if there's like a complex sale going on. But I think now this is important more than ever before because your sponsor is really the only decision maker, especially with how tight this purse strings are right now. Um, maybe you can ask your sponsor before the meeting with their with the full team. Um, try to do a pre-meeting with them. Uh, like So sit down with them and talk about what are the objections that are going to come up from the other people? Who else are the who, who are the other people around the table you know, on this Zoom meeting? Because I can't see them. I, I don't know them. Um, who are the decision makers? Who are the influencers? Uh, what are their objections? And, and, and how can we bring it together, bring up those objections so that we can discuss them and overcome them throughout this meeting and help them 
help them facilitate the discussion in that way. I, I think, yeah, your, your, your relationship with your sponsors is more important now than ever because you, you don't have that face-to-face situation. You can't read people's body language. You lose some of that natural chit-chat that builds rapport and gets business done. Um, you might not get the relationship in place. You don't have the opportunity to with every decision maker uh, in a way that you could in person if you all, were all going out for steaks and drinks after, you know, you know, at some point so you could like really connect, right? Uh, you, you need your sponsor to follow up with these decision makers that you don't have a relationship with, these influencers, and, and get genuine feedback on your behalf. And then, then you work with your sponsor to move that deal towards closure. You know, build, building rapport is just harder remotely and sales feels harder right now than it does normally for whether you're an entrepreneur or a, a business leader or managing a team. Things just feel harder and, and, and the reason they feel harder is because they are harder. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we the goal I think now should be to tee, as much, tee up as many opportunities and leads that we can and move these sales, as many cycles out, sales cycles forward as we can until we can get things, you know, get the economy back on the rails and get yeah. back, get back in the, in the field and get, get with our customers and, and get things done. Yeah. And I was wondering as well in that, that aspect, if, if, if you were seeing a lot more use of like a video and I'm not talking about like, you know, like zoom, obviously everybody's been in too many zoom meetings. Uh, but you know, like using, I say, ink asynchronous video, like you know, video messages. If you've been seeing that as well as an uptake in that to help build trust. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I have seen an uptake in in you know the vidyards of the world, and I, I forget the there's a couple of those companies um, that allow you to leave a, a, a video message or communicate, you know, midway through the sales cycle with the decision makers in video instead of just email, which can, it can really help, especially if you're trying to show something. I, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, having conversations I had, was like, uh, so many people like, okay, we'll be using this kind of technology because we're not getting face to face time because, even with with organizations going like you know back to the office um you know that not not everyone is ready to bring back guests yet mm-hmm. um so yeah and you know there was a lot of use of that and i think actually it over longer time it might help because you know it's one of those things where um, if, if you're not able to let's say go to the client because you're at the end of your route in Badger map, if you will, <laughs> and you're at the other side of the state. Um, um, then, you know, they'd be like, Hey, you know, like I got this question, let me just respond to over with the video. Um, and I've, I've, yeah, I've seen people use that. So it was like interesting to know that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's a really powerful tool. And another thing that's worth thinking about harder right now is social selling. I think that, uh, a great way to, build relationships and, and kind of keep in touch with people, uh, in mass is, is social. And this is obviously a a topic big enough for a book, obviously, but social selling (laughs) is, you know, like I, so on my podcast, I've, I've, I've had probably five experts in social selling on 
in the yeah. last like th three, four months, because I, I think that this is a really important time for us to look at social selling and, and see how we can leverage social media in these times. Um, so yeah, my podcast outside sales talk, I've, I've, I've had a bunch of these guys on and, and it's some of their tactics and the things that they do on like LinkedIn or, um, Instagram or, you know, they are really, there are some clever things you can do to generate new leads and, and also to keep in touch and to deepen relationships with existing customers and, and prospects, uh, with social media. It's really worth checking out what, you know, some, some of these best practices, um, but, uh, and, and I would recommend, you know, you don't, I wouldn't put it on every sales rep in your organization to go figure out how to do social media, right. I would make it a project and have one person. I mean, like each one of these people that I've had on my show have like two books out about, you know, social selling and all the tricks and tips. It's so, there's, this is so much information. And, uh, you know, I try to, I try to pull the information out of them as quickly as possible. But like you still, you can never have your reps try to figure this out on their own. What I would do is I would appoint someone on the team to be kind of the social media guru. You know, you, yes. you can probably imagine who someone who's, who'd be good at that, have them do the research, have them listen to my podcast or even read these guys books and, uh, you know, have them like figure out, okay, here are the 20 things that we should have every one of our sales reps do on social media every two weeks we're going to create the marketing team is going to create a great piece of content that for the reps specifically to share out with their entire networks over, over LinkedIn and social media yes. so that, you know, cause that, that's going to, cause the, the reps aren't going to, don't have time to write that great piece of content and, and they, they no. the reps don't have time to figure out how to use social media, right. But you can kind of give them instructions because a lot of this stuff is pretty simple, right? It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So get, you know, give them in here, here's the list of 20 things. Everyone spend 40 minutes doing it to your profile. And every two weeks we're going to send you, you know, this piece, uh, a piece of great content that's really great to share. It could be a video, it could be an article, it could be whatever, but a great con yeah. piece of content for our customers for you to share out with your networks. And that's going to build relationships and, 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 uh, and help us generate some new leads. So I would definitely look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, let's be honest in, in, in these times of social media, if you don't show up, then, you know, people will assume like, okay, are you actually serious? Um, and then over time, of course, um, that the more sustained your presence is, uh, it starts generating inbound leads as well, which is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, the best way, of course, um, to scale up, if you will, where, um, you know, if you not only have outbound sales, but you have inbound uh, leads coming where people are already sold on what you offer, um, which is how to do it. And then, you know, seeing what, what potential uh, clients post and, you know, building up a profile that way on like, okay, how, how can we help these potential clients? So when you do have the conversation, you already know what their pain points are. And, and so you can address them and help them and be like, okay, hey, if you, I think I can help you reduce your, let's say, customer churn by 10% uh, by doing X and Y. Um, and, and, and effectively, we can do that uh, for 2% of the cost. So effectively, 8% um, profit for you. Um, so yeah, those are things that, 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 that are really helpful. And uh, even for a small business, that is really helpful because it's it's more, let's say, authentic as well to, to show up and then um, 
let's show how passionate you are about helping yeah, people improve, but also show, let's say, the person uh, behind you know, the product or service and like show the passion of how you want to help other people. So yeah, I think that's, that's really important. I, um, people that are starting a company that are not doing social yet, yeah, they, like you said, they, they really have to, yeah. Um, I'm not saying, you know, like do massive campaigns, but you have to start showing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, another thing to think about now that I'm, now that I'm on this topic, I, I think you can also think about changing your messaging. Um, so I think a lot of companies, if you go to their website, the messaging at the top of the page says, we'll help you do X, Y, Z better yes, or faster or cheaper, whatever. But I think there, a lot of people have what I would call good economy messaging. And I think in a bad economy, we need to change our messaging, just tweak it a little bit. And this is what your reps are saying. This is you know, what your marketing team is saying. This is what's at the top of your web page. You, you need to have it say, we will help you do more with less. Because yes. everyone out there is trying to, has less to work with and needs to do a little bit more, right? Yes. Um, and, and so then it's your sales team's job to show your prospects how much in terms of dollars that you'll help them do more with less could be less money, could be less manpower, could be less resources. Uh, we just, and I didn't make this, this idea up. I mean, I, I read this somewhere, but I found it to be really helpful. And I, used to, I did it with my, my, my uh, marketing and sales teams recently. I went through this exercise. And because our messaging effectively was, we'll help you sell 20% more with your field sales team. And now my, we changed our messaging to, with Badger Maps, your outside sales team can generate the same revenue even though your team is 20% smaller. And there's a huge difference between those two messages, even though I mean, they effectively say the same thing in the end, right? Like you're going to do 20% yes. better, right? But in one case, you know, one of these messages, the way it's been framed is going to resonate way more with your customer base and a down economy. So I, I, would, I would recommend taking a look at your messaging right at the top of your website and, 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 and ask yourself, like, am I really empathizing? Am I really connecting with where my customers' heads are at, given that it's a down economy? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, what I did as boss as well is like, you know, like when you have a key team that you want to focus, like do one or less, I, I grab a whiteboard and like write it down, like in the center or like a mind map, if you will. And then you were like, okay, how can I incorporate this team in my messaging, that kind of thing? Um, because yeah, like you said, um, Customers are trying to do more or less because they are forced to let people go, or they they have to keep people on furlough. Uh, they can't bring them yet back yet, but yeah, they still have to maintain the same revenue. Uh, so yeah, it could completely make sense to yeah change uh, messaging to to fill in with that because if you're just talking about like you know um, X and Ys, then yeah people will be like you know, tuning out if you will. Um, well, right now they're just trying to survive and doing more or less. Absolutely. Um, um, I was had some some three more questions really um, that I want to address. 
also you know thinking about like the, the people listening that are want to start their own companies like what are some things you wish people told you before you started your own company um i wish i i wish i had understood how slow it was and how long it took and how and therefore how much money it takes it takes you know two years to get anywhere and takes three years to get real traction and so many people in, including myself think they're going to be you know, think they'll be somewhere in six months and really you'll be from a financial perspective nowhere in six months so that's something i wish i understood better yes yeah and then a couple of you make sense and then you know like you know market demands is one of the things like you know um you know a lot of people can fall on the trap of like you know i'm building my dream and then they go like oh i actually don't have customers for it so yeah my question is also is like um how did you validate market demand for batching maps like what was your approach yeah, I mean, I talked to hundreds of who I thought was our prospective buyer before we had the product built. And I would describe what, what we were going to build, and I would ask them if that would be useful to them, and would it be useful enough that they would be able to pay you know, $50 a month per, per rep using the product um, to, uh, to have it. And I think everyone needs to do that. You have to make sure this is something people are willing to pay the amount you're going to be charging them to get the value that they're going to be getting from it. And if they are enthusiastically like, of course I'd pay that. This is a way bigger. That's worth, it's worth 10 times more to me than what you're charging. Then you have a business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely makes sense. Um, yeah. And it's good to reiterate because yeah, man, a, lot of, a lot of people can fall into every like I, you know, it is such a great idea. And like, if I just write it down and you know, people would just come to me and, buy my product to service um, um yeah so it's good to validate then you know completely like non-business related if you will if you had a magic wand what you what would you want to happen uh if i had a magic wand i would generate eight billion uh, shots for people to get rid of covid right now <laughs> that's what i would do i mean yeah. in terms of my business i would i would uh i would i would wish that everyone who was in a field sales role knew what we do and understood the problems that we solved because it's our, our hardest thing. My, my hardest thing is letting people know that this, that this exists. Cause I, I know it's a problem that, you know, 80% of field salespeople have and are the challenges that they just are doing it by hand every day. And, and, and they don't know that it's been kind of solved. It's like, they're all using abacuses and I've got, a, I've got Excel and I'm like, here, use Excel. And they're like, Oh, Excel exists. How long has Excel existed? This thing is awesome. I've been doing it on this abacus over here. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, so that's, what, no, no, I, that's my magic wand. Yes, yes. And I, I can imagine that because, yeah, like you said, you know, you think of like what the impact is that you can create for them. And it's like you almost go like, yeah, but why don't you like realize yourself that kind of thing? But yeah, is it sometimes yeah it requires some additional education and i think you know like uh, like you said, run the podcast yourself um it, it it helps people discover new ways of doing things and i think um that will be let's say instrumental for uh, you know in, in the recovery trajectory where then field sales can go out and then help not only their own organization but help other organizations improve by you know, selling products to those organizations, which is really what we need. And then um, we can help, yeah, um, yeah, towns and, and, and cities and, and, uh, and uh, thrive again, uh, which is really what we need because 
Um, and let's be honest, at this point, uh, lots of people are suffering. Um, and then, um, yeah, the, the quicker we can climb out of this, the, the, the better we're all off, uh, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Um, um, it was a pleasure interviewing you. Um, I hope it was a pleasure for you too as well. Yeah. Thanks for and, uh, thanks a ton for having me. I, I hope everyone enjoys it. And uh, if anyone listening is in field sales, feel free to check out Badger and uh, mention to the sales rep you talked to that you that you heard me on on this podcast, and and they'll give you two months free of just to try the product out and make sure it works for you. Yeah. So so if you can give me like you know shout out for like um, um, the the podcast and for the URL and how people can reach you. Yeah. Um, so to reach Badger, it's just badgermapping.com and you can request a meeting on there. Um, to uh, If you're looking for me, I'm on, best way to reach me is probably LinkedIn. Um, uh, just Google Steve Benson Badger Maps on LinkedIn and you'll you'll find me really easy. Uh, and if it's, if, if, uh, if you're in outside sales and uh, you're interested in a, in a podcast for outside salespeople, the outside sales talk is really uh, a, it's a podcast specifically for outside salespeople. So I, it's a pretty useful resource. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Like I said, you know, like, uh, let's be honest, uh, we all, you know, like can use education and um, that sounds really useful um, because again, you know, um, having more skills uh, will, will help us recover quickly. Uh, and that's all where you know where we're working towards, of course. Absolutely. Thank you for your time again, and um, uh, and for all the listeners, um, I'll talk to you next episode. Thank all you. right. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I look forward to having you tune in again next episode. See you next time.